0: Welcome to the initial podcast of Every Believer a Witness. I'm Dennis Nunn, the developer of Every Believer Witness. And right up front, I want to help you decide if this is a podcast that you want to listen to. We've designed this podcast to be directed toward three specific groups of people. And so if you follow one of these groups, you're probably going to want to listen. In fact, you are going to want to listen. But if you don't follow one of these three groups, then probably there'll be another podcast to be a better investment for you here are the people that we want to help and we want to speak to we want to encourage first people who have never ever shared their faith i mean they're followers of jesus but whether they've been too scared or whether they didn't know how or they were afraid to be asked a question or some other reason they've never ever shared their faith the second group of people that we're directing this podcast to are people who've shared their faith occasionally, but really you feel inadequate in sharing your faith. And then the third group of people that we wanna help and direct this podcast toward are people who frequently or regularly share their faith, but you wanna become even better at it. If you fall in one of these three categories of people, then you are gonna wanna listen to every Believer A Witness podcast. And so as we start, I want to talk about first one of the biggest issues that we have found as we've spoken and taught every believer witness for 16 years now. And that is so many people don't see it as their personal job or their personal responsibility to share the good news of Jesus. In other words, they think it's for people who are especially gifted, or people who are outgoing, uh, they, or, or it's the pastors, they're supposed to be doing it. Whereas the Bible teaches that it's every follower of Jesus Christ. And I want us to look at how some ordinary people, not specially gifted people, not particularly outgoing people, not trained people, not professional people, but how ordinary people... Shared their faith in the New Testament. And I want to start out by looking at some people who had personal encounters with Jesus Christ. Let's start out in John chapter 4, where Jesus has an encounter with a woman at a well. Now, you may or may not remember the story, but Jesus and his disciples are in Jerusalem and they've got to go up north to the Sea of Galilee, where he has his major ministry. And they have two ways they can get there. They can take the long way around so they don't have to go through Samaria, where the mixed-race people live, where the Jews despised these people and didn't want anything to do with them. They didn't even want to pass through their area. But Jesus said to his disciples, guys, we got to go through Samaria. So they head up through Samaria, and they come to the city of Sychar, S-Y-C-H-A-R, Sychar, and it's about lunchtime, and they're tired, and they're hungry, and they sit down by a well. Jesus sends his disciples into the town to buy food, and he's sitting there, and a woman comes out of town. Now, this is a woman that's been married five times, and she's living in adultery with a guy right now. And here comes this adulterous woman up to Jesus to, to get water to well, and Jesus said to her, uh, would you give me a drink, please? And the woman's shocked. Because in this culture, men don't speak to women, and Jews certainly don't speak to Samaritans, and he's a religious leader, and she's you know, a more person. And so that launches into a conversation. And at one point, Jesus said, well, if you knew who was talking to you, you'd be asking him for the living water. And she didn't understand it. They have more conversation. And eventually, she comes to see that the man she's talking to Is the promised Messiah. And it says in verses 28 and 29, she left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man that told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And the people hearing this from her rush out of town. They come to see Jesus. And verse 39 says this, many Samaritans from that town believed in him, Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. And by the way, here it is. What's her testimony? He told me all that I ever did. Now, you see, they knew what her life was like before. And here's a woman. Notice she didn't memorize any Bible verses. She didn't take a course in witnessing. She just told what had happened to her. Jesus, a little later, goes down to Jerusalem, and he has an encounter with a crippled man. In Jerusalem, there's a a pool of water called the Pool of Bethesda. And Jewish tradition said that once a year, an angel came down from heaven and stirred the water, and the first person that could get into the pool after the waters were stirred would be healed. So naturally, the people bring uh, a lot of disabled friends and family members there. So they're blind people and crippled people, lame people, all kinds of people who need healing. And Jesus passes by the pool of Bethesda and he said to this one guy who had been crippled for 38 years, and he asked him, do you want to get well? And the guy responds, there's nobody here to help me into the water. And then in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 5 of John, Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. At once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now, that day was a Sabbath. So Jesus does this healing of a crippled man, but there's a problem. It's the Jewish Sabbath, our Saturday. And the religious leaders have added all kinds of regulations and rules for what you can do on the Sabbath. And you can't be carried around some heavy load. And so one of the Pharisees sees this formerly crippled man carrying his mat around, and he says, "'Hey, buddy, you can't be doing that. This is a Sabbath, man.'" And the guy responded, that that guy that healed me told me to pick it up. Well, who was that guy? And the crippled man responded, I I, I don't know. Sometime later, Jesus came back to that man and he said to him, "Oh, oh, by the way, quit sinning. And so the crippled man then learned it was Jesus. And here's what verse 15 says. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Here's an ordinary guy, not highly educated, hadn't been through any classes or courses. He didn't learn a memorized presentation. At first, notice, he didn't even know who Jesus was, but he just told what Jesus had done for him. As we continue, let's talk about another individual that had an encounter with Jesus, and that is a blind man in John chapter 9. Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he's ministering with his disciples. And they pass a guy who's begging. He's been blind from birth. And his disciples ask him, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? Jesus said, no, neither one of them sinned. This happened to him for the glory of God. And then Jesus does one of the most unusual healings in the New Testament. He spits on the ground. And he makes some mud, and he puts it on the guy's eyes, and he says, go wash. And when the man did, he could see. A little later, some of his neighbors see this formerly blind man walking around. And one of them says, hey, isn't that Ralph over there? Uh, that, uh, that, that's Ralph the blind guy. And the other one says, no, that couldn't be Ralph. Ralph's blind. He couldn't be walking around like that. No, it, it is the blind guy. And so they go over and they say, hey, what happened to you? How'd this happen? And verse 11 says, he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. Now notice the man simply told his neighbors what had happened to him. Well, the Pharisees and religious leaders heard about it and they called him in to question him. And they said, hey, how is it that you were blind and now you can see? And he says, well, this guy Jesus made some mud and he, he put it in my eyes and he told me to go wash in Siloam and I did and I could see. They really couldn't believe him, so they called his parents in. They said, uh, uh, tell us uh, about your son. And They said, well, all we know is he's blind. If you really want to know how he was healed, you're going to have to talk to him again. So they called him in again and he told them again. And they said, oh, it couldn't be Jesus that healed you. He's a sinner. And here is one of the most astounding verses in all the Word of God. I love it. Listen to this. Verse 25 of John 9. He answered, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Now think about that. So often we think, uh, I don't know enough to witness. What if people ask me questions? Uh, this guy, astoundingly, didn't even know if Jesus was a sinner or not. Notice, you only need to know what Jesus had uh, has done for you. Now, later on, he learned more and he responded more. But here's what I want us to catch. No one can dispute the reality Of a changed life. I once was blind, but now I see. He opened my eyes." And then here's another one. This is one of my favorites. In uh, in fact, I guess it is my personal favorite. It's in Luke chapter 8. Jesus and his disciples are going to have an encounter with a demon-possessed man. They get in a boat and they head over from one side of the Sea of Galilee over to the eastern shore and when they get there, they meet a man whose life is out of control. Uh, he's demon-possessed. He runs around naked, living in a cemetery among the tombs. And he's got supernatural strength that nobody can bind him, even with chains. He's, uh, he cuts himself. He hurts his body. And when Jesus came up to him, Jesus ended up casting out the demons that were in him. And the guys made well. And he's delivered from his lifestyle. And then Jesus is getting his boat to go back across the Sea of Galilee. And the man says, I want to go with you, Jesus. Jesus said, nope, I want you to go back home and tell your family and others how much God has done for you. And here's my verse that I sign on my cards and my emails. Luke eight thirty nine, And he went away and told all over town, how much Jesus had done for him. I love it because my life was out of control before Jesus made me whole. Now, here's what I want us to see, friends. This guy did not enroll in Sunday school. He didn't talk about coming to church. He didn't learn and grow. He didn't take a class. He just met Jesus, and his life was changed forever, and he went all over town, telling how much Jesus had done for him. Now, I want you to notice a common thread among these four people. Each of them had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. Did you notice none of these people talked about, well, I was raised a Baptist all my life. Uh, I grew up in the church. I made a decision in a church service. Uh, I was saved when I was just a child. I prayed a prayer at camp or VBS. Um, I walked down the Nile at invitation time. They didn't talk about being baptized when they were just a child. How did ordinary believers in the New Testament witness? They simply told about their personal encounter with Jesus that changed their lives forever. You see, beloved, if your life has been changed by Jesus, you can be an effective witness for him. And just think about it. These four ordinary people were on the other side of the cross. They didn't really understand that Jesus was going to be punished for our sins on the cross and then be buried and rise from the dead. Now here we are on the other side of the cross. We've had our sins forgiven. We're children of the king. We have even more to tell than they did. You can witness and share your faith. Friends, God does not need intellectuals. God doesn't need great people. God doesn't need fancy people. God doesn't need famous people. Because people are not the power. The power is in the message of Jesus. Paul said it this way in Romans 1.16. He said, "...for I am not ashamed of the gospel." For it is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now I want you to notice, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And what is the gospel? He defined it in 1 Corinthians 15, the gospel, is that Jesus died for our sins, but he didn't stay dead. After they buried him, God raised him from the dead, proving that he was the Son of God, he was the promised Messiah. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of that message because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Now, notice he didn't say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because I am a great witness. He didn't say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because I have memorized a presentation word for word. He didn't say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because I'm very comfortable sharing it. He said, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel because the Gospel is the power of God. See, God doesn't need great people, gifted people. God, we have this wonderful, glorious blessing of partnering with God to see people come to Christ. God chooses to use us to deliver the message of Jesus. Now, some people will have a bigger platform than others, but even that doesn't necessarily mean, that they'll have more impact. Most of you know that just a couple of years ago, evangelist Billy Graham died. Um, Billy Graham preached the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to millions of people live and hundreds of millions of people uh, through media. Uh, he probably shared the good news of Jesus to more people than any person in the history of the world. And there's a very interesting series of events a chain of events that led to Billy Graham preaching the gospel. Billy Graham was converted at an evangelistic meeting in Charlotte, North Carolina, led by the evangelist Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham was in Charlotte preaching because he had been invited by a businessmen's group that started after a Billy Sunday evangelistic meeting. Before Billy Sunday had his own evangelistic ministry, he worked as an assistant. To J. Wilbur Chapman. J. Wilbur Chapman was made certain of his salvation at an evangelistic meeting led by Dwight L. Moody. Dwight Moody was led to accept Jesus by a Sunday school teacher, Edward Kimball. Do you suppose Edward Kimball would have ever fathomed the millions of people who would be impacted? when he led a Sunday school student, Dwight Moody, to Christ? No. Edward Kimball was just a faithful witness like the Lord wants you to be and me to be. And here is the best news of all. There's only one qualification to be a witness for Jesus, and that is that your life has been changed. So here is the takeaway for today's podcast. If your life has been changed by a personal encounter with Jesus, you can use your story, your personal individual story, to share the good news of Jesus. There's a popular song out now by Ann Wilson, Let Me Tell You About My Jesus. And that's God's desire for me, and that's God's desire for you, to tell as many people as we can about my Jesus. So let me ask you, have you had a personal encounter with Jesus? Can you refer to Jesus as my Jesus? Think about these people that we talked about. Was there a time when you were wicked and immoral like the woman at the well? Then you met Jesus and he forgave you and changed your life forever? Or were you like the man by the pool of Bethesda? Was your life crippled by sin and you couldn't help yourself? Then you met Jesus and he made you whole? Or was it that you were blind to the truth? You thought about it was being a moral person or a good person or being a religious person. And then you met Jesus and he opened your eyes and you were changed. Or was it that you were bound by alcohol, drugs, out-of-control behavior like the demon-possessed man? Then Jesus changed your life. And now you tell it all over town. Has your life been changed by a personal encounter with Jesus? Has your life been changed by the power of God? If it hasn't, you have had some kind of religious experience, but you've never been born again by the power of Jesus. If your life has not been changed, I pray the Spirit of God is going to draw you to want it to be changed because the fact is Jesus died for our sins. He was the substitute in our place. I deserve to be punished. You deserve to be punished. But he was punished in our place on the cross. And God poured out all his displeasure and hatred and punishment for sin on his son Jesus who never sinned. And then to prove it was true, after they buried him, he raised him from the dead. And today, the Holy Spirit draws people not to make a decision for Jesus, not to pray a prayer, but to surrender their lives to Jesus. If you've never done it, I hope that this will be an encouragement, that the Spirit of God will use it to draw you to tell you and help you understand everything you're looking for in life and everything you're going to need in eternity is only gonna be found in Christ Jesus. Hey, I wanna thank you for listening. If this podcast has been an encouragement to you, please let your friends know about it. We wanna get the word out and have as many people being encouraged and blessed and helped as we can. And also feel free to email us with any questions you have about sharing your faith or thoughts you have about subjects you'd like to have covered as we talk about sharing our faith, about witnessing. You can contact us at info i n f o at e b a w. That's for everybelieverwitness.org. dot o r g. Info at e b a w God bless you.